think about what battle stance to use and everything. But look, in the end, I I really liked it and went on and played the DLC for it and got all that done. So yeah, top stuff. So it's done now. Yeah. All finished. It is. That's Fantastic. 600 there you go. Microsoft points. I'm not too upset. <laughs> of course. Yeah, exactly. Matt, what have you been playing this week? What have I been playing? I uh, we met some guys at Supernova who made a game called Runes of Magic. So I, it's an MMO. I've been playing. I played that for a little bit, probably about half an hour in total so far. <laughs> so not a lot. <laughs> but. Uh, <laughs> It's it's a lot like World of Warcraft except for free, which is nice. Um, it has it's you know it has its little things that are cutesy and whatever in it. It's cool. <laughs> what else? Red Dead Redemption. I started playing through it again on PS3 this time, and uh, I rented it from Civic Video, so I had it for a week. So I'm up to um, West Elizabeth, the last section, pretty about halfway through that. So I've smashed through the whole game nearly in about. Um, 20 hours that's quite quite well done I played some Killzone 3 uh, last week which was awesome we'll talk about that a bit more in a minute uh, what else have I been playing oh I played a 3DS today that was average <laughs> no surprises there then and you know iPad games so, anything new on the iPad let's see actually I found a few cool apps but I haven't really added any games. iTunes have an apps for Australia or made by Australia or something in the Australian yep. iTunes store. So I flicked through that and added some cool shit. The yeah, game loft, the game loft games like um, one of Ashley's nephews came over yesterday and he was playing Spider-Man HD on my iPad. He was enjoying that, but yeah, nothing really. Myself, uh, I've been, I played pretty much to the end of Crisis 2. I didn't actually get to finish it and I had to take it back and I actually returned it on time. Um, <laughs> so that was, that was a bit of fun. Disappointed that I didn't actually get to finish it, but yeah, I ended up playing for about, uh, ended up probably about three or four hours on Sunday and I had my two boys hanging around watching me play, which I shouldn't have done because then, of course, they went and told their mum and I got my ass kicked for playing a shooting game <laughs> when she was at work <laughs> and the kids were running around. So I know I shouldn't have done that, but whatever. Um, <laughs> Just tell her to shut up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not that tough, mate. Yeah, she'll no kick your ass. And I guess that's pretty much it when it comes to the console. I haven't really played too much else on it I've just been trying to get through that I did play a little bit of it uh, a bit of it online but just getting on there and starting out at level one just you know I went on some of the the I guess beginner and intermediate servers so I wasn't playing against the real hardcores that picked it up first day and have been playing it constantly since so you know, I just knew I would have got completely uh, dominated but mm. you know, Still, the, the loadouts aren't that good. Your, your, your tech stuff and you know, your weapons aren't that strong. Uh, it, it leaves a little bit to be desired, but I can see why they've done it. But yeah, I just well, enjoy... It, it yeah. gets it gets better with levels. I mean, I think it's Well, cool. that's right. I think it's cool that they've got beginner servers. For I think the yeah, beginner server is. is like, what, level 1 to 10 limit? Yeah. Something like that? Yeah. 
So you can mm-hmm. go in and level up your character. Because what I heard was that the multiplayer is kind of shit up until you get to like the teen levels. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah, I heard like, the same. yeah, like you said, the lo- loadouts are shit and weapons are shit, and want you need to level them up to get them good. Otherwise, you just yeah. get creamed. So I think it's cool that they've got those beginner servers. That's handy. Yeah, and if I owned the game, uh, which I'm very seriously considering picking up because I haven't finished it, so. Uh, I do want to finish the single player because it is a really, really good story so far. Uh, graphically, the game is just amazing, yeah. and it, you know, typical of Crisis, you know, it, it bypasses nearly every other game I've seen on a console so far, and that includes you know, anything on PS3. What do you reckon about so, Killzone 3 comparison? Uh, Killzone 3 looks very good, but it's a different type of game. You know, the the crisis, it, it's very easy to relate to because it's modern times. It's in a modern city, uh, and it, it's basically just been torn the shit out of. So you, in, you're running um, through rubble. And, it's New York, you know, right? Yeah, it is, yeah. So and the, the thing that I, I guess I really liked about it the most was you have multiple ways of you know, completing any of, the, uh, any of the levels. You can either stealth your way through and you know just pick off a couple of key people so you can stealth your way through or you can go in guns blazing and just you know try and destroy every enemy that moves in front of you but yeah it was good it was a really well well done thing you can go kind of in the sewers and underground or you can go above or you can go on rooftops and you know, it just gives you different options and possibly even extend the uh extend the gameplay so you know, and it got to the point where i just wanted to try and get to the end of the game I wanted to finish the storyline and figure out what was going on the whole time and um, you know, it's, it's uh, it was still too long that I couldn't finish it in you know, my limited gaming time for the week so that was a bit of a, a, a smack in the face but whatever um, as Matt mentioned you know, I did have a bit of a go of Killzone uh, 3 as well uh, went over to my mate's house and he's got the sharpshooters so we, we tried that for a while on the, the um, 3D projector which was pretty cool. I found being on the projector though, I couldn't get the sights to, to line up correctly. So it took us a little while to get it as close as possible and then it wasn't too bad. But then we ended up just turning off the um, the auto aim and that kind of box thing that pops up when you're aiming at, at your enemies. So you just end up with just a single sight, which made life a little bit easier. So that wasn't too bad. Sharpshooters was a bit a bit irritating in sections. It took a little while to get used to it, and the main reason is because you can actually pull back the um, your grip at the front, so not your trigger, but you can pull back the grip at the front, and it'll it'll act like another trigger. So you also use different button configurations when you're looking for like ducking for cover and stuff, that pressing different buttons on the actual controllers. And you know, when you're doing that, you just automatically pull the trigger, like pull that front section of it back. So you, know, you end up just blazing away when there's not really any need to. And that you know, took a little while to get, get your head around it and just figure out what you're actually doing. And then, you know, but it was pretty cool. You know, you tap the bottom of it to, to reload, uh, which is like just basically jamming a cartridge into the, um, into the chamber, which was kind of fun. And it just adds a different kind of... I guess, uh, medium to the game, which was I found really entertaining, I guess. Probably not something that I would rush and purchase, but it was really good to have a go of it, and it was it was kind of fun. 
had a bit of a go of the 3DS as well. I played um, Monkey Ball or whatever it's called. And I've tried that game before on the PS2, I think it was, or on the Wii, maybe. Can't remember now. But yeah, that uh, it's a shitty game, and I just really wanted to try it out for its actual ability, you know, its 3D capabilities. Yeah. And yeah, wasn't hugely impressed by that, but I'll, I'll talk about that a little bit later as well. Apart from those, I, I have been playing a lot of games um, on my iPhone and iPad. Uh, a couple of the new games I've picked up this week. I did get um, the Train Conductor 2 USA. Finally got the full version of that, which was good. Um, Osmos, a really good game. That is and very, very happy I picked that one up. I have also picked up another game, which I haven't tried yet, called My Star, which is, um, it was on the... Uh, it's a dirty, free... dirty game. <laughs> is it? Did you get it? No, it just sounds dirty. Ah. Well, it's about your star. <laughs> well, yeah, true. <laughs> Could have been called My Ring, which would have been even worse. But, Could have been called um, your, your arsehole. <laughs> your poop <laughs> <laughs> Lovely. But, uh, yeah, it, it seems like a I wonder like what a game that would be. <laughs> It'd be a shitty game, that's for sure. <laughs> that was fucking terrible. <laughs> uh, but it, it kind of is along the same basis of that, um, what was it called? The, the game thing dev that, um, story. Yeah, game dev story, that's the one. So it seems kind of like that. You just, without playing it and just having a bit of a read about it, you just created a, a band and you, know, you are the star pretty much and you've got to try and take your band to creating music and you know, getting different managers and stuff like that and making yourself a complete pop star. So anyway, and Sorry. another one I just picked up is Homemade um, Shooter which I was just playing before and annoying you guys with because uh, the sound of it was pretty fun. But, um, yeah, that, that was a, a bit of fun as well, so spend a bit more time with that one. So that's pretty much me for what I've been playing. But that kind of leads us directly into our new segment, one of our new segments for episode 10 and onwards, uh, which is the Civic Games update. So Civic have been nice enough to allow us to, you know, hire games from them uh, they've got a, a fairly good range of games there and they pretty much getting things day one releases too which is which is really good so you know, we get our hands on a, a couple of the, the brand new games and get a bit of a time to you know, go and check them out from the local civic video down the road so if you do have a civic video go and check them out because some of the games are pretty good but that's where i picked up crisis too and I've already spoken about that a little bit, but uh, yeah, it was good to get that from them, so that was nice. And uh, Matt got um, Killzone 3, and you also got Red Dead Redemption from them, didn't you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Killzone 3 is actually... A lot of people have said the this storyline on the single player is kind of lame and cliched and everything. I actually enjoyed it. I thought it was pretty fun. I didn't get all the way through it. I think I've got about three out of the nine chapters to go because I spent most of the time playing multiplayer with it. The multiplayer is fantastic. It's, I don't know what it is about it. The controls are different, obviously, to like Halo and to Call of Duty. But uh, once you get used to the control scheme, it's got the loadouts and sort of leveling system in it. it means 
basically like you, you can start off with nothing and still be pretty good but you can level up and become awesome obviously but there's things like the different classes there's infiltrator which is basically you have a disguise so you look like the enemy and on like a low level infiltrator you'll look like the enemy but if they turn and look at you they'll see your name I think or they'll I think it's your name either that or like the crosshairs turn red so you're like a target and the closer you get then they can realize that you're the actual the enemy enemy but once you level it up it gets to the point where basically be super close to a dude and he'll still think that you're on his team and then you can melee him and stay in disguise so that's pretty fucking awesome that's an interesting concept to add to a game I think yeah it gets fucking annoying trust me it would be but you can um, you know it just adds it's like the new sniping well it just means that you've got to be more careful with what you're doing like with the way you play the game but like see snipers can cloak and the higher your level like it gets I think if you're a maxed out sniper you can or marksman you can um, move around cloaked cool or like walk slowly cloaked or something so that's pretty cool that's fucking annoying as well when you're getting sniped by people you can't see but like I said you just gotta be careful with how you play the game there's, there's a tactician which can um, go and take spawn points and when you take a spawn point there might be a mech unit there so if you take that spawn point, you get to use the mech unit. So you can just run around carving everyone up. And like you level up your field medic and it gets to the point where you, if you resurrect someone or bring someone back to life, they come back to life with added armor and full ammo. Like if you not respawn normally, you start with about a third of maximum ammo. But if a field medic that's full level revives you, you'll get all your ammo maxed out and a bonus to your health and armor. So, well. You know, there's things like that that keeps it interesting and it gives you incentive to level up. Do you think Killzone 3 is the sort of game that people would still be playing after a while or would it be kind of like Medal of Honor or even Homefront where they kind of played it for a week or two went, yeah, this is alright, and then went, yeah, I'm going back to playing the older... Well, it's, it's very different to Call of Duty, I think. For a start, the graphics are fucking phenomenal. Even in the multiplayer, the graphics are fantastic, which makes a big difference. Because if you put Call of Duty and Killzone side by side, I know you, you're like you're probably thinking, "Who gives a fuck about graphics? It's about gameplay." But you know that's just an added thing. But I think Killzone Two had a pretty long life because it's a PS3 exclusive game. Yeah, fanboys. And well, Killzone's <laughs> a pretty fucking popular series as it is. So. I don't think they'll have a problem keeping people playing it. I don't think it'll have the numbers that Black Ops has. Yeah. But, you know, Black Ops is full of douchebags. To be honest. <laughs> well, one of the things that actually... Uh... They're not all douchebags. They're just mostly douchebags. <laughs> Especially Brisbane girls. <laughs> Harsh. Got an yeah. joke one of that. the things that kind of... <laughs> Oh no, there's an attack dog on my doorstep. <laughs> the dog! The dog! <laughs> oh, sorry, sorry about that background noise. It's a chopper gunner. It's a Huey. That's right. my window. Yeah, okay. Since, All right, well, I guess that'll, yeah. that'll finish up our, our civic uh, discussion for this week. Yeah, we'll, that'll um, 
we'll try and make sure we get some more games and uh, we'll uh, we'll let you know what's going on at Civic next week. So anyway, perfect way to move straight into the uh, to the news section. Have you heard the news? What did it say? Who's won that race? What's the weather like today? This is the news, fool. Uh. Alrighty, so if you follow Major Nelson's Twitter, you would have seen this, and it's it's now been covered in, in a lot of different other places as well, but um, the Xbox 360 and Microsoft are trying out a few new disk formats to pretty much just try and extend the capabilities of the disks. Now, it's still fairly experimental at this stage. They've only released a few details about it, so there's not a hell of a lot to discuss on it. But pretty much what they've decided they want to try and do is is keep the same size of the disc. Nothing will really change so that it can be used in standard Xboxes. But they want to be able to try and just increase the amount of space within them. So they're aiming for a gigabyte, which... If you know anything about the discs, you've got two layers of a standard DVD. So currently they can fit around 7.4 to 7.6 gigabytes on a dual-layer disc. So adding an extra 500 meg per layer, you get about an extra gig. So hopefully just being able to compress the way it's written and the, the formatting of the disc, they'll be able to do that. The whole idea is to be able to try and extend it for graphics purposes. And I guess one of the reasons would have been something they would have thrown around when uh, Final Fantasy XIII was coming out and the PS3 had one disc, the Xbox had three. So to be able to increase your disc amount would be a fantastic idea. But I don't see it's ever going to really compare because... A normal Blu-ray disc is 25 gig. So straight away... I think it's more than that. Well, a normal one is 25 gig, but you can get dual layers as well. So then straight away you get 50 gig. So no matter what the Xbox does, it's always going to be minute compared to what the capabilities are on the PS3. Mm. But if they can add an extra gig, it's going to help. And they can also add a little bit extra and hopefully make a few little differences. But I don't see that uh, a gigabyte is going to make a massive amount of difference. So since most games that are coming out really are maxing out the discs anyway, we'll see. We'll see what happens with it. Uh, Also, we had uh, Firemint, the the good old Aussie company Firemint, the creators of Real Racing and, uh, and a few other ones. Um, one of Matt's favourites, actually, is the um, the flight control. They've brought out their new iPad 2 version, I suppose, of um, Real Racing 2 HD. With that, they've been able to increase the, the capabilities of it, I suppose, to, to utilise some of the you know, extensions to the iPad 2. So they brought out an update. So 1.01 came out not long after the actual release of it, which increased the actual rendering of the um, 
the graphics processor to be able to use 100% of it now. As far as I'm aware, and just with a, a brief look up on the internet, they're the only company so far that's you know spouting this fact that they've they've used 100% of the, the iPad's graphics capabilities. So that really pushes them to the very forefront of you know the uh, the capabilities of the iPad, which I think is a fantastic feat for an Aussie company. Leading and away. hopefully, yeah, that's right. And hopefully they can. Uh, they can extend the capabilities and the possibilities of the iPad from you know, a lot of other people you know, picking up on that and, and running with it. So, And a little bit of sad news from uh, one of the, the uh, IG, IGDAM Melbourne teams. The Anomalous Interactive, who actually brought out that uh, the game I was talking about before, the homemade shooter, they... We're putting together what they called the 48-hour project. Now, the 48-hour project was a, a, you know, a concept that they put together kind of on the back of the um, Global Gamer Jam. Now, the idea was that they were getting groups of people together from the IGDA in Melbourne and pretty much you know, all getting together in a room, come up with concepts for games and just try over a... You know, a number of 48 hours, uh, you know, blocks to come up with some new ideas and some, you know, new fantastic kind of, uh, you know, games to come out. But they've now come out this week and said that they're going to have to postpone it just simply, as they stated, due to um, due to financials. And you know, they've they've just pretty much said that you know they are a new company and they don't want to cripple themselves by overextending at this stage and once they've got a little bit more backing they will definitely be putting this back on the agenda and uh, yeah hopefully with the um, the bringing together of the, the different ideas and the, the different minds down in Melbourne they can create some stuff that will be absolutely fantastic so looking forward to the possibility of that coming back onto the yeah. chopping block and to you know, get back into the kitchen with it it's a terrible analogy but whatever <laughs> Moving on. So that was my contribution to some of the news that's been going on. As far as I understand, you guys have some quick fire news you want to just shoot out. Yep, we've got a bit of a um. Whoa, shit! Cheers. Molotov. Quick fire news. I'll so, get to that. You better settle down over there, pal. <laughs> okay, first the. Wonderful, great and wonderful Victorian Attorney General, whose name is Robert Clark, raised R18 plus rating doubts. The as okay, so if you don't know, all for an R18 plus to be brought in in Australia, all the Attorney Generals have to vote unanimously for it to be brought in. Mm-hmm. The Victorian one is saying uh, he's worried. He he says I don't mind MA15 plus. This is a bit of a mix up of his quotes, so don't say, you know, don't tell him that I fucked up his quote. <laughs> he said basically that he doesn't mind an R18 plus rating being brought in and moving some of the current MA15 plus games up to a higher rating, like we discussed in episode nine a little bit. But yep. he's worried that bringing in an R18 plus rating would legalize games with high levels of graphic, frequent and gratuitous violence, including violence against civilians and police. Mm. Games that are currently refused classification. If you want to read them on GameSpot, there's some funny ones on there. Next. Mm. 
this uh, the NGP production could be delayed by the Japanese earthquake. We, I don't, you know, just to set it straight, you know, we all know that the Japanese tsunami and earthquake were terrible, and you know, there's bigger problems at hand than the NGP perhaps being delayed. But from a gaming point of view, it is news. So, uh, thought I might throw it in. The uh, Sony Computer Entertainment America president Jack Tretton was speaking to Bloomberg and said that the industrial disruption in Japan due to earthquake, tsunami, nuclear crisis, etc., could um, lead to a postponement of the handheld launch in some territories, which would suck. Mm. Susie? So Battlefield 3 could be due out as early as November 2nd, according to the uh, EA Download Manager. Screenshot was taken of that for the French version. So that would be Wednesday the 2nd, which would be very convenient timing for the release of Modern Warfare 3. And I think uh, Elder Scrolls, Skyrim comes out around about then too. So November is going to be a busy month. EA, DICE, neither have confirmed or denied this as yet. So no confirmation at this time, but it sounds about right for the launch of Battlefield 3. There could also be a... Oh yeah, that game looks fucking amazing. Does <laughs> everything, everything I've seen on that game looks fucking amazing. Yes. So I can't wait for it. Yes. Yeah, no, it does... Battlefield 3 certainly does look quite good, uh, given that the um, Frontline series trailers claim to be made from real in-game footage. Uh, looks very nice. Mm. I have a feeling it's PC footage, because I don't think it's going to look that yeah. good on console. No um, way. But in saying that, I remember... I mean, every, every Battlefield game I've played hasn't really disappointed me, so as far as how it looks. But this does look good. So, mm-hmm. wish it was sooner than November second, but yes. <laughs> yeah, well, they've got the whole of Dice working on the game, so it. I, I'm hoping it won't disappoint. Otherwise, a lot of people will be losing their jobs. Yeah. <laughs> well, this this should be a beta out in the next couple of months. Um, those who got Medal of Honor limited edition should have gotten a VIP code to be able to do the Battlefield Three beta. Um, yep. So I'm sure in a matter of months we'll be able to see a bit more of it. Okay. Oh yeah. Could be another burnout game on the horizon, um, which came to light as a result of the classification board. So this will be the next burnout title by Criterion since Burnout Paradise, which I was a big fan of. Um, Fucking awesome game. Yeah, I've I've always liked the the Burnout series, and uh, I even got Need for Speed Hot. Hot Pursuit because Criterion were on it, so yeah. And that game was awesome as well. Yeah, it was. Got to finish it. <laughs> yeah, it's a title Burnout Crash. Apparently, the guy, uh, the game will be multi-platform according to the April one filing by the publisher, Electronic Arts. Not much else is really known other than that. So thanks for the leak, classification board. <laughs> They've done something good. Yeah, thanks, guys. <laughs> something. Maybe it's just to soften the uh, 18 plus rating. I don't, I don't <laughs> Take the focus off, yeah. Look, there's this game. <laughs> wow. 
You don't get <laughs> R18 plus games, but you may just get a new burnout game. <laughs> and it will be so right. Settle down in the back there. Yeah. All <laughs> ages to play. THQ in the news again. Um, talking about layoffs at the moment with the um, Volition and Chaos Studios side of things affecting new and longer term staff, um, which has been confirmed with Game Sutra. So, um, Volition, who's uh, are responsible for Red Faction and Saints Row have sent 16 employees home. Um, I don't know if there would be more. I know there was a layoff not that a uh, few months back. I think some people that were working on Homefront were, were let off. So Well, I wonder de- why. Well, developers, <laughs> you know, developers hire and fire people a lot, yeah. you know, during, yeah. during the process. There's a lot process. of contract work too. Yeah, like if you're if you're creating a game, you know some guys are only needed at the beginning, and some guys are only needed at the end, different sections. So there's no point fucking keeping them on if they're not actually doing shit. Mm. I wonder, quite possibly. Mm. I mean, I I yeah. had the argument with a few people not that long ago uh, about the whole situation with Homefront because people are saying, oh well, it sold so many units. And that, and I basically said, yeah. And how many of them were returned? And yeah, apparently, but got they the, still made the money. Well, I mean, I I got all my money back, but it's tarnished their reputation as far as I'm concerned. Um, I was in EB this afternoon, and um, I was just having a look at some of the titles that were there, thinking oh, might you know burn a bit of money, and um, I heard good things about the Blob too. And I saw that there, and then I saw THQ mm-hmm. down the bottom, and I went, yeah, maybe another day. <laughs> well, yeah, but the blob was made by an Australian company, that's, so that's yeah. true. Yeah, that's, uh, I think it's going to be yeah. a while before I'll play a, a THQ game. I don't think I'll listen to any of the hype when it comes to other titles in future. Yeah, well, it all comes down to you know THQ acting with the blob too. I think they were acting as kind of publishes, yeah. you know, whereas the actual development teams between Homefront and Dublob 2 and everything are all different. Yeah, so that's, that's... You can't... You, well, I mean, it's not yeah, the I think you need to go on a game-by-game game basis. Yeah, I'm trying. But, I'm still very yeah, it, bitter. <laughs> you know, with, a, with any breakup, you're going to need to take time. <laughs> hey, hell has no fury, all right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's um, right. All right. We all know. <laughs> <laughs> the achievements and trophies list for LA Noir has been revealed, uh, as well as some uh, new screenshots for the game. So, much like Red Dead Redemption and playing in GTA, um, they've overall, I had a quick glimpse at them when I was having my coffee this morning, and they seem to be fairly reasonable achievements. That's basically, you know, achieving your maximum rank, um, respond to 20 street crime cases, uh, and those mystery packages that you used to run around looking for in, um, I don't know, GTA and Vice City. Uh, similar thing here by the looks of things. Uh, there's 50 gold film canisters to find in the game uh, to get the Hollywood Land achievement or trophy. So... Uh, it is on the Rockstar Games website, 
they've got more details there. But um, hey, it's April now, and LA Noir is going to be out next month, so it's all very exciting. Sweet. Yeah. Mm. I was actually listening to a, uh, a quick podcast from FTG, Front Towards Gamer, the other day, and they they saw a a, a, a fair bit of gameplay at um, at PAX. Yeah. And PAX East, yeah, and they were talking about how very, very similar to um, Heavy Rain, and there's a section in Heavy Rain where you you play a detective and you go to a crime scene, and they said that uh, it, it just screamed almost identical to what was in that section, obviously just played out across you know, a much longer timeline. Yeah. And with no, section in Heavy Rain, with, no uh, smaller, so. with, with no virtual reality headset on the detective. Yeah. <laughs> Where, yeah. But, yeah. Speaking of but, heavy yeah, rain, it's going to be a, a a very long thing. There'll be no real, you know, run and gun type action like in uh, in most of Rockstar's games. Yeah. Um. So it'll be very very different compared to you know, most of the games that they've come out with. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with it. Mm, we'll see. Mm. Speaking of heavy rain, um, one last quick fire thing for or not so quick fire as it seems to have come this way. <laughs> Speaking of Heavy Rain, the creator of Heavy Rain, David Cage, is uh, he's come out and said, basically, L.A. Noir, um, Tim Bondi's motion scan technology is, direct quote, it's an interesting solution to a problem for now, but it's also an interesting dead end. He reckons that his company, Quantic Dreams, own capture solution is much better. So, whatever. Oh. Hmm. We'll see. I'm pretty sure LA Noir is going to sell a fuckload of copies of David Cage, so why don't you just settle yourself down over there? Suck it up, buddy. There's an article about that on Sumia. That will be up in the show notes. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, that pretty much brings our quickfire news to an end. So I think it's time that we went... Oh, that was weird. Um <laughs> So I think it's about time we uh, decided to go and have a bit of a break. Uh, we've lucky enough this week, uh, Susie and I had a chance to have a, a virtual beer with um, Craig Peebles, who uh, you'll get to find out a lot more about if you don't already know him. Um, and yeah, enjoy this uh, bit of a chat that we had with him, and we'll see you after the break. All right, welcome back, everybody. Uh, as mentioned before, we do have uh, a fantastic guest interview at the moment. Uh, we've got um, a very active member of the IGDA Melbourne, obviously living and working in Melbourne, uh, a rocket scientist turned independent game developer, uh, working with the moving, moving Target Games, and recently uh, he's just returned from the GDC. And also, he's uh, you know part of his, uh, I guess... You know, section of the IGDA is uh, is event coordinator, I guess, and has just come off the hard end of putting together the Global Gamer Jam. So, mate, Craig Peebles, how are you? I'm good, thanks, Lucas. How are you? Very good. Very good. Thank you. Ah, that's good. And we've also got Susie sitting in on the interview as well. How are you doing, Susie? Yeah, good, mate. How are you? Loving it. <laughs> Absolutely loving it. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess we'll, we'll jump straight in and... Um, We'll, uh, we'll start having a few questions firing at you, mate. All righty, no worries. Now, Mr. Craig Peebles, 
longtime follower of yours on Twitter, so I'm very excited to be having a chat with you here tonight. <laughs> I'm going to fire off a real easy question for you straight up. What was it that got you interested in game development? Well, I think, uh, you know, like like uh, most game developers, I think, you know, you get, you get your start by uh, playing games and been playing games for about as long as I can remember, you know, on since our... Uh, you know, first PC that we had, uh, first family PC, and, uh, you know, been programming on and off since that time as well. You know, I originally learned to type by playing uh, Sierra's King's Quest 1, if you know yep. the old uh, Sierra classic quest <laughs> yes. games. I love yes. those. I did and play them when I was a kid, yeah. Yep, yep. So, uh, yeah, got my stuff. Has a good <laughs> 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 So, yeah, like, uh, got my start, uh, you know, uh, doing that, and you know, I've been programming on and off for you know for work and school and other stuff. But uh, you know, unfortunately, it just took a while to get around to putting the two together and doing the programming to uh, actually make some games. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Enough. And I, I guess you know, coming from, I guess every boy's dream of being a rocket scientist. <laughs> what made you move from from you know being an engineer over to to game development? How hard was the decision? Uh, well, you know, it, it wasn't really that hard of a, uh, hard of a uh, decision, rather, to go from, uh, you know, engineering to game program because they're uh, two, you know, very technical fields. So it wasn't a big step to go from uh, one to another. You know, I mean, well, I think uh, you're going to give uh, an e-boner to every game developer out there at the moment. So that's fantastic. <laughs> you just compared them all to rocket scientists. That's huge. <laughs> Sorry, mate. Keep going. <laughs> Oh, well, I've, I've kind of lost my train of thought there. <laughs> and Ebona will do that. Yeah, yeah, thanks very much for that, Lucas. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, from a, you know, personal standpoint, you know, as I mentioned before, it took, took me a while to sort of, uh, get from, you know, uh, playing games to, to making them and then, you know, kind of, uh, came along with, uh, you know, a great opportunity. Um, to leave where I was working uh, at the time and uh, duck straight into uh, a games course and learn the tools of the trade the, the right way and uh, haven't looked back since. So I guess you've you've recently just graduated. and uh, Yes. Yeah, at the end of last year, from what I understand. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep, that's right. How are you finding it now that you've, you've been, I guess, you know, living the dream for a couple of months? Is it uh, everything that you thought it would be? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely loving it. Wouldn't go back for a second. Wow. I mean, it's, it, the game development industry as a whole is uh, extremely dynamic and, you know, there's lots of great people working, uh, both in the independent, uh, sector and, uh, you know, in the professional studios as well. And, um, you know, one of the things that, you know, uh, really grabbed me early on in the course when uh, I started going along to these uh, IGDA meets and uh, meeting all the people that were coming along to them were, uh, you know, the fact that all these people are always, they're always so passionate about what they do and they're constantly building on their skills and learning new tricks. I mean, you, you really have to, uh, to, to stay ahead of the curve in, uh, you know, game hardware and all the technologies and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, that was one of the things that, I really liked about uh, you know the industry as a whole. What can you tell me about your software development process? Well, yeah, I guess coming from an engineering background, and uh, yeah, you're, you're probably referring to a couple of like uh, the 
uh, research projects that I did uh, after uni. So, you know, I'm coming from a, you know, very technically minded, uh, a technical mindset rather. So, um, as far as sort of my software development process goes, it normally comes down and, you know, boils down from uh, ideas, you know, from uh, like interesting game mechanics or uh, different ways to, uh, you know, interface with, you know, the technology and, you know, some of those cool uh, technical tricks that you can do. Uh, I mean, one of the projects that I'll get into a bit later with, uh, you know, the team at Moving Target Games was uh, a game that uh, we're working on called uh, Cosmos Concerto, where, uh, you know, I was doing a lot of technical stuff behind the, the scenes for uh, music analysis for to drive the gameplay for that. Um, but yeah, for, for myself, you know, it's, it's very technical. So sort of looking at, uh, you know, um, different ways to, you know, have different player interactions, you know, all the technology that's now becoming available on, uh, you know, computers and mobile devices, particularly, I think there's lots of, uh, potential there. So that's normally where, uh, all of my crazy ideas come from. So when it comes to, you know, aside from uh, Cosmos Concerto, um, what are your influences when creating stories and characters? Uh, I guess when, uh, you know, going for the stories and characters, uh, you know, as, as you might have already picked up, I'm much more sort of technical than creative, so uh, I normally leave that up to uh, the other guys and I'm sort of more looking at, okay, what, what are the cool technical things that we can do? So uh, when, when I'm thinking at, uh, concepts for for games and stuff like that. It's it's normally uh, you know what cool tricks can we do with the hardware and what what can we uh, you know say for um, you know I was very excited with the recent release of the iPad 2 just to hear that it had uh, front and rear facing cameras because you know mm. I've seen a lot of uh, presentations from uh, a bunch of the guys at IGDA on uh, augmented reality games and stuff like mm-hmm. that. So you know rather than playing around with this great big touch screen that you've got, you know, you might be waving your hands and interacting just visually through the, uh, through the cameras. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that, that's one that I'm uh, pretty excited to, uh, you know, get my hands on one of those once Apple decide to send mine in the mail and uh, <laughs> you know, see what we can do with it. <laughs> All right. So let's just say you take your technical hat off for once. And you get your iPad too, and it's got your little screen on there. And we say, right, Craig, we want you to create your game, your vision of a game you would love to be able to create. You know, would it be a, a, a space theme? Would it be more, um, you know, like the King's Quest series? Um, you know, what what would you do? Oh, that's a really interesting question. I think. You know, the, the theme for the game isn't really, you know, it's, it's not that important for me. I think the main thing is, you know, the, the, the flavor of the game, which I think sort of ties into more the creative stuff. So I might, you know, handball that off to someone else on the development team and let them handle that. But, you know, like the, uh, immersiveness of, of the game, if you can really get sucked into it, like, uh, you know, so many of the games that I grew up with, uh, you know, as a kid, you know, like uh, the original Prince of Persia and uh, all those classic games where, that, you know, for uh, the amount of technology that they had at the, the time, they were really able to make such really good, uh, you know, creative uh, masterpieces for, you know, mm. as far as storytelling and stuff like that. 
So, yeah, I, again, I kind of have to uh, handball that to the more creative types, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit, it's a bit right? hard to take off the technical hat sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Put you in the hot seat. Uh, sounds like a plan. <laughs> so I know you've got a few independent projects that are going on at the moment. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and obviously, you know, every game developer out there has their own independent things that they're working on, just whether it's you know, just fiddling with things and just trying to figure things out so they can bring those to the teams or you know, whatever's going mm-hmm. on. How are your projects going at this stage? Yeah, going well. Uh, I'm working primarily at the moment on uh, an iPhone and iPad game that uh, I'm working with collabor- in collaboration with uh, a local Melbourne animation studio here. I can't talk that much about it because it's still in development, but uh, you know, hopefully we'll be able to uh, make some announcements on that soon. But you know, it's uh, back at full steam now that uh, you know the uh, all the recent busyness with uh, the game jam and. Uh, my trip for GDC, they're all done, so uh, we're back going uh, great guns with it. So, uh, yeah, hopefully have an announcement for that sometimes uh, shortly. And apart from that, you know, I'm sort of trying to to stop the uh, the list of my own wacky ideas from building up, you know, too large so that I can actually have some uh, hope of completing them all. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair enough. I'm, I'm sure there's only enough, you know, only a certain amount of time in the day. So, I know it's always a problem. Yes, it is. It is. <laughs> Maybe that can be your next game. How to fit <laughs> 43 hours in a day? That'd be good. So, with the moving target guys, the team mm-hmm. over there, I know from what I kind of understand of the team, it was a a, a makeup of uh, you know just a random group almost at the time. Yeah. You know, yeah. How did you guys hook up originally? Uh, well, we we originally met each other through uh, a, a, through an industry website called uh, Sumea. Uh, I don't know if that's the correct pronunciation, but I'll spell it out. It's t s u m e a dot com, and uh, that's a really good um, you know game industry uh, resource for uh, you know Australia and New Zealand. And there's lots of uh, really good information coming up on there all the time. And sure is. Now there's there's some uh, forums and stuff in there for uh, you know developers and students to show off work that they're doing and discuss things. And um, actually what happened was back in, uh, I think, January of 2009, um, uh, one of the guys, uh, Andrew Bittman, just uh, basically put up his hand in the forum, so to speak, and said, you know, I'm keen, in, keen on uh, making some uh, computer games. I've got a design background, so I'm after you know, artists and programmers and, you know, basically who's interested. And uh, from that, he ended up with was something like 30 people all putting their hands up and, you know, going, me, 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 <laughs> um, which, which was fantastic. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and so, you know, I think they actually ended up forming three teams out of uh, that group. Um, so, you know, three Sumaya teams. And uh, we were Team A, who rather originally, shortly thereafter, called ourselves Team Awesome. But we won't mention that anymore. <laughs> There's a decided um, lack of creativity there from a bunch of game developers, but that's all right. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we were spending all of our creativity on uh, working out the game ideas. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Nice turnaround. <laughs> So, so yeah. After that, we sort of, you know, threw out, threw around some ideas, and uh, Cosmos Concerto was uh, the one that stuck. 
And um, yeah, it's been a great learning experience so far. It's been a very ambitious game, but uh, you know, it's good to just uh, jump straight into the deep end every now and then. That's right. Well, um, well, that that basically begs the question. I mean, you, you put out a um, a, mm. a demo some time ago now. Uh, yep. It's been bouncing around the the interwebs. Um, how is the game progressing at this stage? Uh, the game's just in uh, kind of a, a, a playtest uh, demo version. Um, so, yeah, we've got a, a very basic demo, which just is more of a tech demo of the actual analysis stuff working. So we've got a, a music track that's built into the game, and, you know, we've analysed that according to, you know, our method, and then we've used that to generate triggers in the game. So that's just to, to show, well, this is what we're doing, and it's actually driven by the audio. At, at the moment, you know, uh, Cosmos Concerto, it's it's still in work, but that's basically me saying that I'm really the only one working on it, just sort of further refining uh, the audio stuff. Yeah. Well, I, I guess it, it is a very interesting concept. You know, Susie and I have spoken about this and our tastes in music, I guess, and mm. you know, both of us like you know, hard, you know, not quite crazy heavy metal, but Panteras and Metallicas and things like that, I suppose. Ah, uh, yeah. Um, yep. you know, I like a lot of hip-hop stuff as well. Mm-hmm. And I guess the word concerto just summons up pictures of you know, more orchestral type music. Yeah. You know, yeah. What does it work with all types of music? I mean, how hard was that to put together? Well, yeah. I mean, you, you mentioned sort of orchestral music. You know, one of the big things that we were trying to work out, you know, if there was a feasible way to do it, was you know, picking out individual instruments. And it's very, very hard to do, particularly if you're if you're looking at doing something real time in a game environment. So, yeah, we've we've sort of centered it on a, a very simplified process uh, to begin with. And yeah, my time sort of currently being spent on trying to get that, you know, working a bit quicker and working out if you know our early thoughts on how to do this are still the best ways to do it, given you know uh, changes in the technology and stuff like that. Um, and also, you know, ways to have it be able to, you know, work for orchestral pieces and also for heavy metal and, you know, rock and roll and stuff like that. And, mm. but, you know, still have, you know, uh, um, you know, not have them being totally like, you know, the, or- the orchestral one will be, you know, nothing happening at all and everything happening when you're playing the heavy metal. So trying to balance it the right way there. Yeah, it'd be very hard, I can imagine. With, IGDA Melbourne taking off down there and you know hearing bits and pieces about it in Brisbane and other places mm-hmm. being a member um, what is your current role officially what do you do what what does IGDA Melbourne actually do if, uh, if you look at the IGA IGDA globally it's uh, you know the International Game Developers Association it's mm-hmm. it's an organisation which you know if I read the the line from their website uh, you know dedicated to improving developers' careers and lives through community professional development and advocacy. But you know if 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 you look at uh, the Melbourne chapter more, um, you know we have it as kind of like a, a social networking group where you know developers and students can come to a friendly environment. You know, chat about the industry. You know, we organise presentations and uh, discussion panels and stuff like that, so that you know there's a there's a topic for every month, so that you know that will bring people that are interested in those topics, and then you know we have a few beers and uh, a chat afterwards. So is it kind of like a, the first Monday of each month meeting? 
It's normally uh, the first Tuesday of every month, yep. Oh. Uh, yeah, you can find all the details at uh, igdamelbourne.org. So we always have posts up there for uh, you know what we're doing every month and letting everyone know the details. Yep. yep. And also, also can be followed on uh, on Twitter as well, which gives a fair bit yeah, of detail yes. on it. Yep. I guess from the followings of Twitter is where I kind of uh, first came in contact with Craig, and it would have been just before the the Global Gamer Jam. That's only been yep. you know, seems like a light light year behind us, but it was only what, a bit over a month ago now. So yeah, uh, two months ago. It now. was two months ago. Now. Yep. Yeah, that's right. Uh, so you were one of the main coordinators for the event. I mean, I had a bit of help from a couple mm-hmm. of other people, but. For anybody out there that doesn't understand what the Global Gamer Jam is, there is articles on the Drop Dead Gaming website, so go over and have a look at those. Uh, but it's basically just a cram session to come up with a game. Uh, for more ins and outs, have a look at the website, obviously. But, mate, what, what went yep. into trying to organise something like the Global Gamer Jam? It's an event run every year by uh, by the IGDA. Uh, it's been going for, for a couple of years now, and... Um, yeah, so uh, it's this year. I think it was run in 170 something uh, different sites in 44 countries. So it was wow. it's happening all over the place, and uh, it's really good to have uh, you know it as a global group and actually be able to get that connection with all the other sites you know around the world as it's happening. And from memory, um, it was nearly uh, you know, 1,015 or so games that were produced over that weekend. I think it was almost 1,500. Wow. So, and 6,500 uh, jammers worldwide, I think, That's from memory. Wow. Mm. Yeah. Would have been amazing to be a part of. So, yeah, it was it was a really incredible weekend. I mean, you know, I I was uh, probably a bit overly and uh, overly optimistic, uh, you know, about how much time I would have once the weekend started. I thought, okay, well, yeah. Once the once the organising's done and you know the uh, actual events started, I might be able to actually join in and make a game. But uh, nah, that didn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was a, it was a very exciting weekend, and you know uh, we had seventy uh, odd people, you know, locked up in two computer labs for the weekend uh, down at uh, La Trobe University, and uh, you know late night uh, you know game making sessions, people staying up for all hours of the weekend. You know, a couple of guys didn't even sleep during the weekend, which That's yeah, we don't recommend. Mm. <laughs> yeah, that, they were both looking uh, pretty pretty wrecked by the end of it. <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> <laughs> were they on the winning teams? Wow. Uh, uh, no, no, but, uh, you know, <laughs> what a we, we had a... <laughs> <laughs> all that effort. Oh, that, that, yeah, they were they were on uh, separate teams. Yeah, it would it would have been funny if uh, two people from the same team had uh, both got that state. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> would have been an interesting concept by the end of it. Like as far as actually organising the uh, the jam itself, uh, you know, it was really uh, there was a lot of support from the IGDA themselves about uh, you know for for new groups putting together uh, you know their first jam, which was our situation. And so, uh, you know, the Global Game Jam website, uh, globalgamejam.org, you know, had a lot of uh, support there. Um, and you can even go there and check out all the games that were made from uh, all of the locations worldwide. So go down there and check it out. Um, but, you know, even for, uh, you know, registering all the locations for the jammers themselves, signing up and uploading the games at the end, 
And, uh, you know, after that, we just basically had to, uh, you know, organize uh, a venue, which uh, Latrobe Uni were in Melbourne were fantastic and let us borrow their uh, IT labs for the weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, we just had to organize all the, the rest of the sundries, like uh, Firemint uh, gave us uh, some money to uh, help us feed all the guys for the weekend, which was fantastic. And, uh, you know, we also... You know, had lots of uh, interest from the industry. You know, um, uh, you know, Firemint and uh, THQ also uh, came along and uh, uh, gave us some prizes to give out for the uh, award winners. You know, we also had a discussion panel uh, on the first day just to get everyone, you know, keyed up and answer some questions there. And you know, some judges and we had the guys from Level Three come down and film us for the weekend. So it was great to have them along as well. Now, Craig, you also recently went to the GDC over mm-hmm. in the US of A. Uh, yep. That was, from memory, around about February 28th to March 4th, was it? Uh, yes, that's right, yep. Okay. Uh, so I, I was just there for uh, the, the main conference event, which was uh, from March 2nd to March 4th, from the Wednesday to the Friday. Yep. Mm-hmm. So um, tell us about the scale of the event. Uh, well, yeah, GDC, to, to say that it is a big event and just freaking huge is a bit of an understatement. Um, you know, I've been to a couple of the uh, local you know, game developers conferences and stuff like that, like uh, you know, Free Play, which is a great con- um, independent gaming festival that's run here in Melbourne and GCAP last year. But uh, GDC is just, you know, it's phenomenal in size. Uh, I was there for three days, but I think mm-hmm. if I'd been there for a month, I still wouldn't have had enough time to take it all in. There's just so much going on. Um, you know, they've got great presentations from uh, you know developers and uh, industry, you know, discussion panels on actual game development. So you know, artists and programmers talking about different fields and you know the latest uh, tricks and technologies, and uh, you know. A couple of the favourite sessions that I went to were actually, uh, you know, postmortems of, uh, you know, classic games. Like, uh, you know, I oh, mentioned yeah. Prince of Prince of Persia before. Um, Jordan Mechner was there uh, talking about the process that he went through creating the original Prince of Persia, um, and Eric Chahi was also there uh, talking about Another World. Two just fantastic games that you know I loved growing up, mm. and uh, you know I. I it just really reminded me, you know, the, the passion that, uh, you know, some of these developers have, particularly, you know, these early pioneers, you know, making such phenomenal games. And both of those games had a development team of one person. So it really, yeah, it's fantastic. So I guess coming back from the GDC now and seeing the grand scale of things and you know, how everything was run, being its coordinator for the um, IGDAM, what suggestions are you able to bring back and try and implement for your own your own events that are going on down in Melbourne? Well, yeah, I mean, it was we, we were actually able to meet with uh, a bunch of people over there from the IGDA, for, so from other chapters over in the uh, United States and Canada and, you know, globally, and even some of the, you know, global game jam uh, organisers, so it was great to, you know, have a chat to them as well. But as far as... Uh, you know, IGDA chatting to them, uh, you know, that they're already looking at, uh, you know, raising sort of the interconnectedness of all the different chapters worldwide. So, you know, they've already started 
like some online collaborations and meeting places. And, uh, you know, they've got a, an online newsletter and the next one of those is specifically centered on the Australia and uh, New Zealand region and all the stuff that's happening here and just sort of raising a bit of, you know, information about what everyone's doing and sort of flagging that for the rest of the world to see, which, which is really fantastic. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, another thing just as, you know, it was great to, uh, hear sort of since coming back, you know, just how many IGDA chapters there are out there. You know, even just in, uh, Australia, we've, we're hearing about, you know, all the chapters that are forming or, you know, have been there already in other cities in Australia. And, you know, we're all getting in touch with them. So, uh, it's great that, you know, they're there in most of the main cities. So, if you're interested mm. in finding out about one of them, just, you know, have a look online and, uh, you know, odds are you'll find a local group. What are some of the challenges do you think the uh, Australian development industry are currently facing? Well, yeah, I think if you, if you look at the job market, I think everyone knows the, you know, the issues that are there with, you know, uh, at the moment there are lots of people competing for what are really very few jobs uh, mm. here in Australia and unfortunately you know there are more and more graduates being uh, pumped out every year so uh, you know it's that that part of it is not improving but uh, I think the industry as a whole is is really strong and you know this is mainly from uh, you know my observations with IGDA from uh, you know meeting all the people there but I think a lot of that strength is really in the independent market where you have, you know, small teams or individuals, you know, just making big waves in, you know, the mobile app market, for example. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot of uh, potential there and, you know, the, the uh, capabilities of what you can do really these days with, you know, hardware that, you know, is the size of a phone. Mm-hmm. You know, that. I think I think I saw somewhere you know someone tweeted that uh, you know that the technology that um, you know is currently in an iPhone was the same as all the technology all the comp- uh, all the computing power I think that uh, they had for the NASA moon launches mm-hmm. yep. stuff like that so you know you've you've got all this stuff you know in such a mobile handset and they're so interconnected with everyone's lives these days so mm-hmm. I think it's really mm-hmm. exciting to see what what will be coming out in those areas. And I think there's a lot of people doing some really fantastic work in those. So I think the the local industry is really strong and it's just a matter of building our strengths and, and learning with the technology as it as it progresses. Mate, thank you very much for coming on. Uh, it's, it's been an absolute pleasure for us to get a bit more understanding of what goes into you know, creating different things and uh, you know, making games and... I guess, uh, coordinating events and those types of things. So much appreciated. Mm. Well, thanks for having me on and putting up with my ramble. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> but I, I see you're an avid gamer as well as uh, as developer. What are you currently playing? Well, yeah, recently being over to the US, I thought I'd, uh, you know, try my hand at uh, getting some cheap games over there. So, uh, you know, the, <laughs> yeah, I've uh, been playing a bit of Crackdown 2, which I picked up cheap over there and... Mass Effect 2, which I've really been keen to get into, so uh, glad that I was able to pick that up. I finished Mass Effect 1 uh, a couple of months ago and really keen to get uh, number 2 out of the way before number 3 is released. Yeah, exactly. It's a bit of a perpetual cycle, yeah. isn't it? I <laughs> know. <laughs> oh, yeah, they don't leave us too long between drinks nowadays, <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. And, um, yeah, I know, I know you had uh, 
Tom Killen from Voxel Agents on uh, a couple of episodes ago. You know, as far as my iPhone gaming, I think uh, you know Train Conductor 2 has been taking up most of that. You know, particularly with uh, they released a new Seattle level for uh, Train Conductor 2, which is fantastic and very addictive. But mm-hmm. uh, you know, I've been playing a lot of that game book adventures as well on the iPhone. So keeping it local. Yep. Yeah, no, they're good games. Yeah, they are. There's a lot of good things coming out of Melbourne, that's for sure. Um, well, I guess in closing, uh, we always do offer our guests a bit of a chance to uh, to do some shout-outs and say g'day to the folks that they uh, they, they want to say g'day to. So, mate, I'll, I'll hand over the mic you and, and you can take it away. Oh, thanks very much. So I'll, just a couple, you know, firstly to uh, the rest of the IGDA Melbourne crew, uh, particularly Tom and Giselle and you know, everyone else that I know from attending all the meetings. Um, you can check us out at uh, igdamelbourne.org and, you know, if you're in Melbourne, you want to come along, just uh, have a look there and see when our next meeting is and come and say day. And uh, as well, just a quick shout-out to the Moving Target Games crew. You know, uh, we, we talked a fair bit about uh, Cosmos Concerto before, but, uh, you know, the other guys have been working very hard on uh, a new game, which uh, is looking really good. And I can confidently say this, you know, without any bias, because I haven't worked on this one at all, but uh, that's looking really good, and uh, we're hoping to have some announcements out on that uh, uh, very shortly, so you can check them out on uh, Twitter and uh, keep an eye out for that as well. For sure, and you'll also be able to keep an eye out on uh, on Drop Bear Gaming. We'll, we'll do some covering of that yep. too, for sure. Mm. Awesome. All right, mate, well, thank you very Ooh. much from myself. Yes, Craig, um, I know for me I feel a little bit starstruck here. <laughs> <laughs> I, I really admire your work, so it's been fantastic being able to have a bit of a chat with you tonight. Oh, thank you very much. You're welcome. All right, and welcome back. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Craig Peebles. Uh, it, was, it was a great interview, I thought. I took a lot out of it. And uh, Craig had some fantastic uh, discussion points there that we touched on, which was really good. So that was good. I, I, as I said, I hope you enjoyed that. So anyway, moving right along. Now, uh, our section four, we're uh, going to have a few feature discussion points. And Matt and I have been pretty busy in the last you know, week and a bit. And firstly, I guess we'll touch on, we went to the Supernova convention here in Brisbane. And for anybody who doesn't know, Supernova is the pop culture expo and it covers everything that is pop culture today. So there was gaming was there. There was a couple of games, retail outlets. There was a lot of comic artists were there. There was um, discussions from a lot of, uh, actors and things like that as well and there was some quite interesting things going on there so Matt and I decided to go and you know, get in and, and see what we could find and you know, we went and got some photos done so we could be superimposed as Duke Nukem oh. which I'm still waiting for the uh, for the email to come through which would be kind of cool so Matt and I walked around and you know, picked out a lot of the uh, the characters that we knew from the, the anime you know, series and you know, different uh, different characters from sci-fi and different movies that have come out in the last 20 years. And there was, uh, you know, we saw, is it uh, Lilu from uh, The Fifth Element? We saw a girl walking around in the, in the costume that she yeah. ends up with yeah. just after she's reformed. 
and you know there was a lot of Star Wars characters and you know, a lot of um, there's a Predator. That was cool. Yeah, there was yeah there was Avatar there as well, which was very pretty interesting. There's there's three or four Wonder Womans, and I think at least one of them should not have been wearing tight shorts. <laughs> there was two there was two Sailor Moons who had more um penis than I believe Sailor Moon does. What? <laughs> well, huh? Yeah, it it was interesting. Some people yeah. took it a little bit too far. There's some cool ones. There was a lot of uh there was a lot of Final Fantasy characters and Oh heaps. There's a lot of Pokemon Misty from Pokemon. Like every fucking yes, there's at least was. twenty that I saw. Yeah. Who is Ridiculous. who is and, what was the best costume you saw of the day? Um, I think some of the better costumes were, were you know, I think paid actors that were there. Yeah. And you know, they, they uh, you had everyone from, you know, Darth Vader, you know, all the way through to uh, um you know the the stormtroopers and you know there was um about four or five Boba Fett's walking around and you know, they they were pretty well decked out, but I think personally the one that I thought was one of the better ones was there was a, a Chewbacca. Oh, the Chewie, yeah. Chewie was just basically standing there in this one spot, and I'm not sure if it was a guy or a girl. Obviously, you can't you can't see, but um, <laughs> should lift up there. his fur. <laughs> they were they were basically just standing there with their arms out, and people were just you know ducking in uh, and and putting their head against their shoulder and, and friends were taking photos. And, yeah, to walk past, you kind of just thought, oh, it's just a, a um, statue. But then the person would move. <laughs> and I saw about four, four people get freaked out because of that, which was pretty good. We walked past at one stage. <laughs> we walked past at one stage and there was a girl there with her head you know, waiting for a picture and her boyfriend was taking a photo. And then all of a sudden, you know, the guy moved and put the fingers up behind the, the bunny yeah, ears behind the head. <laughs> <laughs> the girl had no idea at all, so she'll get a bit of a shock when she gets that photo. Yeah, it was hilarious. Yeah, that was well done. The Avatar. But, uh, you know, like I said. I, I think the, the Avatar, Avatar one was one of the best. But um, one of the, I think there was one, that, like the Avatar one, it might have been a paid person because that was a fucking good costume. It was fairly was, elaborate. There was yeah. one of it was a World of Warcraft one. It was a blood elf. I don't know what class or whatever. It's been a long time since I played World of Warcraft, but it was a blood elf um, character. You know, spiky ears with like armor pieces, and it looked like the pieces were good, but not you know, not like they've been professionally molded and created for a paid character, you know, bought from a costume shop. It was, like, obviously a homemade costume, but, fuck, it looked good. Nice. Sometimes so, homemade yeah, costumes was, are the best. Yeah, I've seen plenty of cosplay that's homemade that's bloody excellent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they're all in your wardrobe, aren't totally. they? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It gets Ashley to wear them on a Sunday night. <laughs> hey. Well, she's vacuuming. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> and I watched the webcam vacuum. in the other room. <laughs> anyway. Oh, dear. But there was a lot of good ones. And I, you know, I thought a lot of people put in a lot of effort. Unfortunately for a lot of people, the lineup out the front was just insane. And you know, I think a lot of people expected that from years gone by. Uh, Matt and I got there and one group that I remember quite well is we, we got there and parked our car in the car park and 
pretty much walked out and just looked at the line and just went, you've got to be fucking kidding. We're not going to stand here for you know, an hour or two to get in. So we just basically walked straight up to the front door and saw the first person with a supernova shirt on and said, where does the media get in? And they escorted us straight through and we pretty much got in. And uh, when we parked the car, there was a group, you know, about two or three cars up from us that had just arrived as well. And they were, you know, f finishing off their costumes and just getting ready to walk down. Now, we walked around and, you know, talked to people and did whatever we needed to do. And a few hours later when we left, those people were still about 20 people deep from the front door. Mm. So they'd been standing out in the sun in this big lineup, and it was quite a hot day. It, it just it looked uncomfortable for a lot of people. So, you know, I, I think yeah. uh, a lot of people would have suffered from that, which I think is a, a bit of a shame. Mm. And you know, I I think you know, when we left as well, it was a bit of a highlight because we walked out the front door, and you know, only a few people down the line was Buzz Lightyear, <laughs> which I thought was fantastic. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. so there's there some cool stuff there. They had um, a game. The uh, the store game had a stall doing uh, Duke Nukem. You could get your photo taken, and it would be your face would be superimposed on a poster of or on a picture that they would email to you of Duke Nukem standing with his arms around two schoolgirls. <laughs> so they take a photo of you on a green screen and superimpose your face. Or there was another one that the option that was option B, option A was like you know uh, just the head and like a gun or something. Yeah. So that was cool. Yeah. You would have liked that, Susie, but uh, yeah. sorry about that. That's all right. I enjoyed the <laughs> I'll send you one of mine. <laughs> Don't ruin my fantasy, please. Yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> you'd be like, Duke Nukem, no! <laughs> no but they, they had the demo there, but we um, the line was ridiculous. We could have probably said that we were media and got in, but, you know, there's people there. That, what, four people in... At, the time you reckon, Lucas? Yeah, that four. Yeah, there wouldn't have been too many more. It was a very small room, and it would have been about what a ten-minute at least demo, and so yeah. there was already a line of about forty people waiting, thirty or forty people, and it's you know they'd been. Yeah, you would have had to wait a little while to get there in. Was there was people sitting down, you know, they'd been waiting for settlement, they're just sitting there. So I didn't. I've just decided not to go in because you know they'd been waiting for so long. I don't want to be an asshole. Yeah. Jump in, in the line, mm. jump in front. That's right. <laughs> so we but did, I was very surprised. Uh, I mean, I, I didn't go last year. I was going to go, but uh, you know, a few things happened leading up to the weekend last year, and I didn't end up going. And, you know, I was very surprised about how many people went there simply just to buy things from, you know, some of the, uh, some of the retailers. Like JB Hi-Fi had quite a large stand, and all they had was, you know, box sets of, you know, different manga you know, series and anime series and you know, a, a couple of different ones. And it, I was just really surprised at how many people walking around with big, huge you know, shopping bags full of stuff that they'd gone there simply to buy those, those items. And it just struck me as kind of funny because they really weren't discounted any more than they are on a normal sale from their stores. So I thought that a little bit strange, but maybe that's just uh, just my some of the stuff. Of some of the stuff was cheap. Like at um the game one had a few like some of the games that were for sale there were pretty cheap. But uh, Yeah. But you had to search through some, you know, piles yeah. of rubbish. And the lines were pretty long. And so. like that. Yeah. Yeah. But um yeah. what else the Runes of Magic people that I mentioned earlier, that game's pretty cool. 
we've got yeah, a few, it's good to go and have a chat to them. Yeah, we've got a few copies of that to give away. It's a free game, but we've got some uh, discs with DLC codes on them. So when we get to the competition section, we'll mention them. Um, is there anything else you want to mention about Supernova? Uh, no, I think that pretty much covers it off. Yeah, we the, uh, we saw the DeLorean. We saw the original cool. DeLorean. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was pretty good. That was awesome. Um, but apart from that, it uh, yeah, for me there wasn't probably that much because I haven't been into a lot of those um yeah a lot of those things for quite a long time. So it brought back some memories which were pretty good, and I saw a lot of characters that uh, I guess I wouldn't have seen anywhere else. So I think was... a lot of the locals would have freaked out seeing you know, a lot of people dressed in cosplay walking around the uh, the suburbs getting there, so mm-hmm. that would have been kind of interesting. But, yeah. One of the things that I liked was uh, in the middle of the main hall, they had a big section dedicated to tables for people to learn to play Magic the Gathering, which yeah. that, that took me back to high school. Mm-hmm. There's all these people, <laughs> you know, going, you know, with a little notepad going, you know, this card will do this, and you do this, and blah, 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 blah. And I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> Right. <laughs> They're like, oh, do you want to come play? I was like, no. Nah. <laughs> exactly. I'm here in official business. I'm not yeah. here to play. I don't have all afternoon. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I forgot to bring my deck. So, Can you believe it? <laughs> what an idiot. So that, that was supernova anyway. Um, the other thing that Matt and I went along to last week was the launch of the 3DS. Yeah, there was only one Queensland store that uh, did a midnight launch, which, lucky for us, was uh, the Indrapilly branch, which is only just around the corner from us, so we decided to go and attend. And Matt and I were not really overly excited to go, I suppose is not the right word, but we were, we were very interested to see the turnout. And we walked into the Indrapilly shopping centre and were kind of surprised to be greeted by... You know, not a lot of noise, and you know, once we actually turned around the corner and could see the EB store, there was nearly no line up out the front. There was a few people milling around, and we pretty much went in and you know, introduced ourselves to the to the managers and let them know that we were there, and ended up standing there talking to one of the media guys from EB Games, and you know, it pretty much was a big fizz for me. I, I expected a lot more. Um, I at least expected that EB or Nintendo would have one of the 3DSs there on display for people to actually go and have a look at while they waited the two hours from the the 10 o'clock opening to the actual first sale at midnight. And they didn't even have that. They had two tables set up out the front with 32-inch TVs on them and just a couple of Wiis connected playing some kind of old uh, Nintendo games. Well, and I, I thought that Mario, was Mario Kart. Uh, yeah, Mario Kart. And, I don't know what yeah, that was about it. Yeah, but uh, I, I was really disappointed, to be honest. Uh, and I think EB would have been very disappointed as well because they had a lot of staff there. They probably would have had one staff to every two people that turned up. Mm. Wow. And you know, there was just people kind of just literally standing around in groups of two or three. It was very quiet. You know, they EB were handing out um, free Red Bulls all night. They had a big tub full of Red Bulls, and people were just coming and taking them. And um, you know, they they ordered probably about 20 pizzas. 
So oh, everyone had about half a half a pizza each, and uh, it, it was just terrible. I was really, really disappointed. So oh, I should have yeah. gone along with a bottle of Jägermeister, you know. Yeah, we mentioned, I actually mentioned that to the media manager. I was like, dude, where's the fucking Jaeger? <laughs> like, you call this a party? <laughs> Even he turned around and said, well, it might actually have made the night a little bit exciting. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. But having said that, there might have been a few more people rock up later on towards midnight because we left, you know. that The guy said, you know, you might expect more people to rock up closer to midnight. But mm. I don't know. I mean... Yeah. Everyone's pre-ordered, so it's not like you have to line up for a fucking hour. Mm. You know, if you rock up at at 5 to 12 and you line up, you're probably only going to be in line for 20 minutes because they had fucking 10 people there. And the way that it worked, obviously, was that you go in, pay off your pre-order first, and they, like, stamp stamp your receipt or sign off your receipt to say you're paid, and you go in the line, and then it just goes, boom, your name, right, here's your fucking 3DS, see you later. You don't, there's no fucking around with money. Yeah. So yeah. the line moves pretty quick. No money, no speeches. Yeah. Take your 3DS and, and go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah That's get right. Go get a brain on. aneurysm. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I just thought it was a, a big fitter and you know, I was very, very disappointed with the whole evening. Yeah, that'll do for the 3DS. Boom. Okay, so just to wrap up the show, we've got a few things we need to take care of. The competitions for this week. We have the tipping competition is still going strong. Uh, uh, Yet again, I'm the top of the ladder. Barely. Hanging on by a friggin' fingernail this week. So if you want to get involved, it's free to join. You can still join. We're going to have some things to give away in the next couple of weeks to people who are participating in the tipping comp. So make sure you get on board now so you have the greatest chance to win. Details are on the forum. Uh, another competition we have is the Runes of Magic competition, Lucas. Yeah, so as we mentioned before, uh, we, we got a couple of the discs from uh, Supernova. Now, it is a, a free MMO, um, but we, we do have the installed discs and they do come with some uh, some extra DLC that is not available other than what we basically got our hands on. So what we want to do is um, uh, we want you to go and get onto iTunes, leave us some reviews, uh, even if you want to send us some emails as well. Um, but you know, to be in the running, basically, you've got to get onto iTunes and leave us a review for the podcast. Tell us what we're doing right, tell us what we're doing wrong, give us a five-star or a one-star, whatever you want to do. And uh, next week, we'll go through the people that uh, jumped on iTunes and left us the reviews, and we'll, uh, we'll give some lucky people the, uh, the chance to win the copy, and, and we'll ship them to you. So um, at this stage, it's only going to be available to people in Australia, obviously, because it would probably cost way too much for us to send it overseas. Uh, but like I said, it is, um, it is a free MMO, so you've still got the option to, to get on there and play it. So, and we would still love you to leave iTunes reviews. Certainly. Certainly hmm. would. Now, shout-outs. Susie, you've, uh, you can lead us into the shout-outs. All right. This week, my shout out for the Twitter crew, just 
want to shout out to Sonic Alpha, Wiki84, Awesome Wells, Princess Julski, and Alfie83. Um, also, big shout out to the Game Taco Boys, Moolander and Wall. Um, and certainly uh, a shout out to the Thumbpad Boys, Zerblander and D-Boy, particularly for D-Boy. Um, he's my new Black Ops best friend, so massive, mad shout out to him. Sweet. <laughs> um, we also did the typical uh, Twitter retweet if you want to shout out. We got a heap of response this week, which is good. Uh, so I'll just jump through them. Camoz20, Vis- Visical Senator. That's a great name. <laughs> uh, hard rocking guy. Well articulated. Yep, hard rocking guy. Wiki84 again. Um, philosophy, Jen Jammy, poor bastard, and SFF. Uriah. I also said, does anyone want to ask us any quick questions to, to answer on the episode? Jammy, Jen Jammy said, how do you think Drop Bear will do without a strapping young lad as a host? Well, the answer to that is, we've done We're seven episodes. Here. We've done it seven <laughs> episodes since you left, so I think we'll be okay. But thanks, That's thanks right. for thanks for caring. And I, I think you miss <laughs> miss ask that question. I think what he meant was uh, how we're going to go without a little boy to strap. So oh, yeah, <laughs> uh, that, I see the yeah typo. Um, yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> the other one, the other one was um, philosophy. With how do you think US-based listeners can benefit from drop bear gaming? If you want to know anything about Australian gaming, we're your one-stop shop, basically. Uh, as as you probably figured out, we are all Australian on the podcast. We try and stick to Australian uh, you know, discussion topics, and we also uh, try and interview Australian developers and people in the industry. So to get access to those people, that's the best way to do it, is to come and jump on our podcast. Yeah, and we're pretty cool, so why not just listen anyway? Yeah, that's right. Exactly. Um, so I've got a couple of shout-outs, I guess. Um, from Twitter, we've got uh, Ken Leaf. So he's um, now submitting some articles for us to go up on the uh, on the front page. We've just received one, which is really quite good. So we'll get that up on there. Um, I've also got uh, Big Ant Studios. Big, big ups to them. And Dino Raw. Big shout-out to Craig Peebles, of course and to the whole IGDA Melbourne um, and a big shout out to the Brisbane crew as well which uh, I've been having a few discussions with recently so Sweet. yeah that's all good right um, so iTunes reviews yes we'll hit some iTunes reviews iTunes reviews we don't have any like we said competition give us some reviews guys come on we're doing our best yeah get on board we love you get on board we've only got the one from uh, the USA which is uh, our good friend Philosophy yeah we don't have any iTunes reviews we would like some please give us your thoughts and yeah give us some feedback Um, that's all good yep that's it finally we're done episode 10 in the bag well that's a good night from me I hope you enjoyed the show and uh, enjoy yourselves till next week yep hopefully you liked our new format Uh, let us know podcast at dropbeargaming.com We'd love to hear what you've got to say and also on the forums and most importantly on iTunes, uh, Twitters as well. I am... Do that. I am Azimuth1 on Twitter. I am BQ410 on Twitter. 
I am CBK on Twitter. <laughs> Fantastic. Fantastic. <laughs> All right, good night, everyone. Good night. Good night. Done. Atro, atro music. <laughs> <laughs>